Hey, it's Jordan Johnson, and you're listening to The Grove Podcast. Today, we get to hear a brand new talk from one of the extraordinary women of our house here at Passion City Church, our dear friend, Catherine Wolf. Catherine has been a Grove gal, as she likes to say, for many years, even as a California resident. But she and her husband, Jay, and their two boys recently moved to Atlanta and now call Passion City their home, and we are all so grateful. Many of you know Catherine's incredible story of surviving a massive brainstem stroke many years ago and the tumultuous years of therapy and recovery that have followed. God has given her and Jay an incredible platform through their ministry, Hope Heals, And Catherine recently joined us to speak at a Grove gathering upon the release of their new book, Suffer Strong. This episode was recorded live from that night. And if you didn't have the privilege of being in the room, you need to be able to picture the beauty that is Catherine preaching from her wheelchair, her seat of honor, as she calls it, and even standing up when she really wanted to bring home a point. But there's also a really fun moment when she references the dress she's wearing, which she also wears on the book cover. So be sure to check out Instagram for the photos so you get the full visual. We know you'll love this episode. So here is Catherine Wolf live at The Grove. How are you? So we're good. I um, didn't want to start this by crying, but um, so I spoke at the Grove, and I'm definitely crying, um, a couple years ago, and we didn't even live in Georgia then. And um, now I'm here again, and probably in the time since then, which has probably been two and a half years, I've heard hundreds of stories, and um, most are pretty intense from many of you who've reached out to me and gotten to be friends with a ton of you. And, um, you know, more than ever, the Lord is always reminding me of so many of the things that I believe and talk about. And the deep brokenness we all feel, some on the outside, some on the inside, and the sufferings we're all dealing with. But what is so beautiful is that that's not where it stops, that we all have this beautiful story of hope. And um, as I think about ever getting to share with any of y'all, I feel um, such a weight and responsibility to like, be an ambassador to grow people of hope in Jesus and pointing them to um, just the living hope in each of their stories. So I feel a lot of nerves and like so, so just not qualified and just all the uh, stuff you don't want to feel. But I, I love those feelings too because I feel like it's so important to me. And I take it so seriously because each one of you has such a unique story of brokenness, I'm sure. I bet you have your own brand of brokenness, different than mine. But we all share the same story of suffering and the hope of something that overcomes the terrible sufferings that we all suffer on earth. And I just... I'm emotional and want to share with you from that place, but if it's just emotion, that's a little bit dumb 
and we didn't all need to do what you did to get here tonight. Um, which was like insane, like the lines, the traffic, all the things. The reality is, is what we all need is truth, not emotion. And I love emotion, clearly, I'm very emotional. But if that's what rules my life, that's not gonna really take me anywhere I wanna go. So um, let's get into what does change our lives, which is the word of God and the power of God. And um, I wanna share with y'all tonight, and I'm gonna be very careful standing up, that um, this is a celebration. This is actually a party. And the reason, well, hello, it's the Grove. It's like always a party um, at the Grove. And specifically tonight, as always with the Grove, there is this deep celebration happening. Oh, I should tell you first. I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, so we're having a party, and they're having this fabulous fancy brunch outside. And I didn't know what to wear because I am just not a clothes person. It's just not a priority. And um, we have this book coming out next week, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, this looks pretty good in a wheelchair. Ta-da! So I, so, thanks. So I decided I would wear it. Now, here's where it gets really cool. So, Jay Wolf shaved my armpits. So, yay! Thank you. And, and there's already sweat stains, so I apologize. So, um, yeah, this is a big accomplishment. Now, if I do this a little, don't expect perfection. We didn't get to the legs. So, there's hair a mile long on these things. But we'll get to that before summertime. Anyway, let's, let's get to the talk. Um, so, I'll sit back down. So, tonight is a party. It always is, because when we are worshiping, we're celebrating. We are worshiping and it's celebratory for sure. And our celebrations should thus be worshipful. And they are, because we are all worshiping something, aren't we? Think about it. We all have idols in our lives, both all the obvious big bad idols, all the struggles we deal with for sure, all the things that are the pinnacle of what we think will make us happy, comfortable, what we need. But then we also have all the stuff in our lives that's good, but that takes a weird turn and becomes an idol, like our marriage, like our children, they become idols can, can become idols. Our family, our virtue, our fill in the blank. We've got all these idols in our lives. And above all, I think we all are plagued by the worship that we feel, the deep desire to buy into this lie that life can only be good there can only be joy if life is pain-free. And that I have to get back to that life 
that I'm entitled to in order to feel any joy in my story. And I must tell you, I originally named this talk before I decided not to give it a name because I want you to name it yourself or whatever you want to. But um, I decided to name this talk Idol Disruption from the Idol Disruptor because I decided I fancy myself an Idol Disruptor because I am living an awesome life. I love my life. I don't have a perfect life. I got a lot of yuck and hard stuff. And yet I'm living the dream. And no one can tell me I'm not because I am. And it's true. And the thing is, is that can be your story too, no matter your circumstances, inner or outer wheelchair. I am living my best life in Atlanta, Georgia, in February of 2020. And we don't have control over everything that happens to us in life. No, no, and for those of you who don't know my story, I had a massive stroke and nearly died at age 26 and became severely disabled afterwards. I have horrendous health problems. I can't walk, I can't drive, I have a hand that doesn't work. I'm deaf in one ear. I have double vision and I can't see out of this eye. I'm nearly blind in it. Um, I have a paralyzed vocal cord. I've had 11 surgeries since the stroke, many radical, radical surgeries. And yet, um, I'm living the dream. Like, my life is awesome. And I don't know, I just feel like that is idle disruption at work. And you know, I've, um, I've walked with Jesus nearly my entire life. And yet, for some reason, it took a stroke and the subsequent extreme suffering to recognize I needed to redefine everything in my life. My upended life after the stroke only made sense in the upside down kingdom of God. And honestly, the inspiration for this message has been marinating in my head and in my heart for six and a half years. It took about the first four to five to really come up for air after I had the stroke, which I just wanna say that again. It took four to five years after my stroke to come up for air. I didn't wake up the morning after the stroke and scream, hallelujah, this is amazing. Years, tears, years, more years. And then I recognized God is writing a very powerful story in my life. I get to be a part of something very special. I get to champion this. I would have never chosen this, but I get to champion it. And you know what kind of that whole like obsession with redefining did? It made me look at every area of my life and story and want to kind of take a sort of upside down kingdom examination, you could say, a recognition of what's going on there. And celebration kept emerging as something I really felt called to look at and to examine. And celebration redefined, I believe, is about process and not outcome in the midst of. The truth is that outcomes don't always come, do they? 
I may wake up tomorrow morning and walk outside and drive. I don't put God in a box. I may. However, that's probably not going to happen. And um, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to wait my entire life to be physically healed? That's ridiculous. Is there celebration in the process of all of our stories? Um, I think we see that over and over and over in the Bible. I think that we are called to celebrate two things. Number one, we are really celebrating in the process of all of our stories, the ultimate outcome. What is the ultimate outcome? Heaven, the hope of heaven in our stories. We can wait well knowing what is to come. If any of you know the, the story, the parable that Jesus tells in Luke 14, there's this brilliant parable about the great banquet. And this man with no doubt stature and position and lots of money throws this lavish feast and invites all his awesome, incredible, perfect, probably beautiful, skinny friends to come. And day of, everybody cancels. Nobody can come. And all this like dumb excuses follow. And he says to his servant, go out in the streets. Actually, I think we have like a first slide. Or are we showing that? Okay, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And actually right before he says that, he says, go get the people on the streets that nobody else wants to invite to a party and let me host them. And I think this is so important for us today because all we are told is get around my people. It's just me and my people. I gotta be with my people, go in, get my girls. And I think this parable is pretty clearly saying, go get the other people, the people who don't have people. I think the people who are outcasts, who don't fit, who are hard to deal with, Get those people, bring them to the table, and know that they can't invite you back. They don't have that capacity. Love on them where they are with nothing to gain. I think it's a very important concept for us as Christians to get on board. Like, your people is so silly. It's all our people. Everybody is our people, and we, uh, we owe each other a deep camaraderie in that. N the point number two is that we are celebrating that God is with us and that we are with each other. This point always makes me cry. Um, because I really love alliteration and I am not unburdened like my husband is to be like really the edgy, cool, not like corny one. I love to give you some alliteration. He grew up a pastor's kid, he's got stuff. I feel freedom to give you a list and say the P's that you can take this home. Now, the beautiful thing about me sharing with you a list of P, like the letter P, is that's hard for me to pronounce because I have major, major problems, you may have noticed, with speaking. And the speech therapist would always tell me that um, the P sound was so important for me to make, like, puh, 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 puh. 
so um, I can't do it very well, as you can hear, and it makes me cough. So it's so perfect that the Lord would say, give them a list of P's, because I can't even say the daggone letter. So, so here we are. Let me share with you some P's for you to take home. Number one, pop that puffy on the screen. Woohoo! Power, God's power. Second Corinthians 12, nine, his grace is sufficient because his power is what? Made perfect in our weakness. And we can boast in that. So we are celebrating together his power to change situations. Awesome, write that one down. Number two, we are celebrating his provision. Hello, how important is it in our stories to recognize Oh, 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything, everything that we need for life and godliness according to him who's called by, by his own glory and goodness. Everything that we need is already inside of us so we can celebrate in the process of our stories because God's given us what we need to get through them. I cannot tell y'all how important this, I'm about to stand up. I'm sweating to make this point. I cannot tell you how important it's been in my own story to recognize that God made me for this. And that is true with every, and I'm using this hand on purpose. Every single, I'm really using this hand to hold on. Every single one. Let this medium be the message that in every one of your broken stories, God is saying to you, you are already equipped for the hard story. I've already wired you to do the hard thing. Don't think you're not up for it. You are. Why? Because God's in you. So you can't handle it? No, you're right. You can't handle it. You cannot handle it. But guess what? Jesus handles it for you. It's a pretty powerful thought. Third P, make a note. Here we are. Third P is protection. One of my favorites. Second Corinthians 4. Oh, you guys got to memorize this. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. Do y'all know it? I get chills saying it. Say it with me if you do. We are hard pressed, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but never abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our bodies. Praise! Look at the armpits! Thank you! <laughs> Number four, presence. Psalm 22:24. Do any of you know that one? For he has not turned his back on the suffering of the afflicted one, but he has listened to their cry for help. God is in there with us at work, listening. We do not have a high priest who cannot understand. We have a suffering savior who's in there with us, walking with us every single second, present in our pain, and that changes everything. Now, because I am not plagued by my husband's coolness, I don't mind being a big nerd up here. I love alliteration so much 
that I actually made a little bonus because I've always wanted to be a teacher's pet like none other. And um, I made a bonus so that you could know the Catherine Wolfism of the peas. <clears throat> so, <laughs> your perspective is your prerogative. So stop having a pity party and ponder how to persevere. <laughs> and um, that's some gold right there. Everybody listen up. Your response to what happens to you in life is up to you. It's your prerogative. Your perspective is your prerogative. A pity party would make it better. What? You do it, but it's not. So save that one. Psalm 42, 5. Get your soul back on board with the hope that the Lord gives. And recognize God is doing something. I put ponder in there for a reason. Ponder, ponder. I want to make a memory because in our world, it's like when suffering hits, everybody turns off their brain. Have you noticed? Like ponder, recognize, wake up to what's going on. It's like suffering hits, boom, gotta pray it away, get it out, can't even look at it. That's so ridiculous. What is God doing in my pain? How can I look at this, examine, oh, these are the hard parts of my story. I would have never chosen. Let me ponder how, Lord, you are at work here. I don't get it. I wouldn't ever have wanted this for my life. But the least that I can do is choose, choose prerogative, my perspective, and ponder how I can persevere in my hard story. Hebrews 12, y'all know that precious passage you need to. I'm not gonna say it for time's sake, but basically run, run with perseverance, the race marked out before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. And I know I just said it for time's sake, so I wasn't going to, but it's such a goodie. How could you not want to know that you can run, run or roll on your race? Because <laughs> God's at work. <laughs> I needed to define everything in my life about five years ago. So I started having this Bible study. And once again, similar to not being plagued by a fear of alliteration, I'm not plagued by a fear of an, an acronym either. So I called it More Mornings of Redefining Everything. And the notion of more was there is more. There is more happening than we can see. This is temporary, what's unseen is eternal. There's more. But it was also, we just need to redefine everything. My upended life only fit in the upside down kingdom, but everybody else does too. It's not just me at all. This teeny little Bible study in my little California bungalow grew and grew to be about 100 women. Um, on a Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. with no makeup in their pajamas, redefining words. It was just insane. And just the Lord calling us to look at what does it mean to re-examine. 
And ultimately, the message that actually became this book, Suffer Strong, is the message that life defines us, yes. Suffering redefines us. And ultimately, hope refines us. Can we say that again? We might have a slide even. Life defines us. Suffering redefines us. And ultimately, hope has the opportunity to refine us. So we emerge as refined versions of ourselves, not in spite of our suffering, no, but actually because of it. How cool is that? We get to become different people. And that can be a very painful process. But on the other side of it, we are refined, we're different. And I'm not going back. I don't want to. I don't want my old life. And I think that's what refining does. It births you anew because suffering does birth us anew whether we like it or not. And it's all how we're looking and what God is doing. It's back to the point about pondering. I just think it's so important. All this to say, as you can tell, I deeply love women, ministry, brokenness, and I gotta admit it, I really love some brunch food. So I had this idea that Cara Diva just ran with tonight and went bonkers on, and Shelly and the whole team, love you amazing people. And I basically created, because once again, that alliteration thing is just in my blood, the brokenness brunch where I would gather women around my table and we would have a full-on brunch to celebrate brokenness. Now, we were not celebrating our broken stories, because that's silly. We were celebrating God in our stories and celebrating all the peace, his power, his provision, his protection, his presence. We were celebrating our past, actually, another P, how God showed up every single time and how he will do it again. And what did that do? Gave us tremendous, tremendous perspective. The stories were unbelievably different. Financial crisis, marriage that had fallen apart, single mother, special needs, child that was now being surpassed by the able-bodied siblings, um, mentally ill mother now affecting her own children, so her grandchildren are now dealing. Anyway, you can read about it in the book if you're interested, but basically the first brokenness brunch very randomly had all of this major suffering, none of which was on the outside except mine. And that was so powerful because brokenness, but not external, was something I'd never really understood, not that I fully understood it now, but I'm in process. And um, I shared at the brunch that I was coming off of five years of some really hard stuff, a lot of major surgeries, a severely broken leg, um, bad stuff. One surgery, they literally, because my face is paralyzed, they took off my face, implanted a muscle from my thigh, this is thigh muscle right here, and took a, a nerve from my other leg, 
wired it across my face in like the most radical surgery and like reiterated the nerve. I mean, just nuts, bonkers, surgeries, broken things, terrible falls that have resulted in broken ribs. I mean, major stuff. And um, I shared that. And as we went around, I said, can you come back to me? Because you already knew. You already knew the stuff. I need to share some real stuff because you're seeing this, but you're not seeing the invisible wheelchairs. And so um, because we're having a brokenness brunch tonight, I'm not going to give a lot of power to this list, but I just want to be real with you and put it on the screen of a few of my invisible wheelchairs. Is it behind me? Huge school. All my issues. There you go. Um, awesome. But the reality is we are not bound by any of these things. Let this wheelchair be a symbol to you of um, a very powerful truth. I am not bound by this wheelchair. You may have heard, oh, we can take, oh, yeah. <laughs> Catches me off guard. Um, we, can, we can see this wheelchair here. And people like to say wheelchair bound. She's wheelchair bound or they're wheelchair bound. But that's not true. I'm actually wheelchair free because, that, yeah, glory to God, because this wheelchair is what allows me to do my life. It enables me to get around. It enables me to flourish. Because of the wheelchair, I get on well in my life. I'm not bound to it. It's an agent of my freedom. And do you know why that is? Because I choose to see it that way. Like, I get to say what this thing is and how much power it has over me. I have, no, thank you, glory to God. But the same is true with all of our invisible wheelchairs, all of it all the junk we are dealing with, do we recognize and ponder, okay, on first blush, I'm wheelchair bound. But no, in an upside down kingdom, that is not remotely true. God is doing something even through this wheelchair. And whatever is in our lives, all the lists you saw of my inner stuff, how can I identify my fill in the blank, my mommy shame, that's a good one to talk about. Um, my mommy shame. Somehow God is doing something powerful in that and saying, you know what? The empathy that you feel to the other mothers or the way that you interact with your children because of your brokenness or whatever it is, is somehow something unique that God is doing in this world. And that is painful. It is so painful to look at that massive list of problems I have and to say, despite every issue, God is somehow at work in every area of my story. And I give him the power, not the problems. The problems have very little power. What has power is God's word to transform all the brokenness in my story. What if I just fell on my bottom right now? Oh my gosh, that would not be good at all. <laughs> Four and a half years after my stroke, 
The doctors discovered a brain aneurysm on the other side of my brain. It was unrelated to the AVM that had caused the stroke, so I have a separate radical brain aneurysm that has to be removed. I have to sign up to get brain surgery. That um, could have been pretty terrible. I largely was able to manage the stress and anxiety of this upcoming major surgery. But the morning before the surgery, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and flipped out, near nervous breakdown type thing, knowing God has allowed me to live. And my husband and I have started this ministry, Hope Heals. Now, when I die tomorrow, he will continue sharing hope as a widower. And um, that's the story God's writing because I know that's the story. And I promptly take the iPhone and I'm writing the living will, Jay remarry, I want James to have a normal mommy. I'm just really sad. And I'm like flipping out and sobbing so badly that I wake up my husband who's like, what on earth is the crack of dawn? And basically, just a, through a crazy series of events, my friend had emailed me and I checked my email because I'm awake and she's in Alabama, so it's 6.30 and she gets her morning devotional. Anyway, Hebrews 6.19, the devotional on it pops into my inbox and I read it. And it's not like I didn't know Hebrews 6.19. I love Hebrews 6.19, that this hope we have is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I knew that verse, but I deeply needed to be reminded of that verse in that moment. So I put down the iPhone and I get out of bed. And I go to church where I remember that a hundred people were gathering to pray for me and lay hands on me and anoint me with oil because I'm having this crazy surgery the next morning. And I literally like got out of bed, like in my pajamas and no makeup, went to church. It was super freeing. I'd recommend it for you all. It was awesome. <laughs> and I let people in. I let this community of people like, love me. And it was so vulnerable. Y'all, it was really hard, kind of like this moment. It was raw. And they didn't tell me what they thought I needed to hear. They didn't even give me truth. I mean, I'm sure they said some scripture and it meant a lot to me. But what they gave me was their tears. They cried with me. And they let me know, this is not okay. This hurts. I can remember seeing the face of a sweet friend who, I mean, a, a good acquaintance, not even, I wouldn't even call her friend level. Um, now I would, this is being recorded, and I love you so much if you hear this. And, and she, rewind, and, and she, she's crying and shaking her head. And she's saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And I can seriously remember being like, I can't tell you how much that means to me. 
that you're crying and saying you can't believe this because of this nightmare in my story. And something about that interaction made me see a new, like, that's the power we have to give each other. That level of, this is not okay, and I can't believe this. And I felt so seen and cared for and loved on. And they, they were anointing me with oil, which is an incredible Asian practice. This isn't nearly as weird as people make it, where we are saying, I'm not trying to cure you. This isn't about healing you. I'm just with you. I'm just in this and I'm not leaving. Even when it gets hard and sad and awkward, I'm not leaving. I'm looking you square in the eye and staying. And that's what we have to do for each other. And honestly, that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He doesn't leave when it gets hard and sad and awkward. I think we always want to isolate instead of reaching out for community. What is so beautiful about that community in LA that prayed for me that day is largely those are the same people who uplifted us to put on this camp we have in Alabama that you all need to come volunteer to work at called Hopefield's Camp where we get to love on people where someone in the family is disabled and it is glorious, so beautiful. I can't help but think of a woman named Michelle who came to camp saved all year, her family saved all year to come to our camp in Alabama from Portland, Oregon. And she had had a stroke very similar to mine, had three little boys. And um, at camp, as has become a regular thing, which is so funny, and please, Lord, let me continue to give comfort. Um, She had a list of questions for me. And, you know, she pulled out her list, and I'm like, oh, oh, sovereignty of God, free will, purpose in pain, like, hit me with it. Here we go. And, you know, I'm ready for the biggies. Come on. And she looks at me, and she says, Catherine, I know your husband has to take you to the bathroom, and that you have little boys, too. Where do the little boys look and stand when you go to the bathroom? And I looked at her square in the eye. And I'm thinking, you have flown across the country. You have, and yet, is this not the most beautiful thing? You don't want my thoughts on God's sovereignty. You want the messiness, the awkwardness, the real, the raw. What do I do with my little boys when my husband takes me to the bathroom? And I sat there and I cried. And I, I'm sure you're shocked. And I, and I hugged her neck. And I said, I know. It is so hard. What do you do with your little boys when you have to go to the bathroom and you don't? You are at home. What do you do? And she goes, I wanted to ask you that for two years. And so I was just wrecked. And um, several weeks after camp, she sent me an image through text of uh, something someone had chalked on the side of the road that said, one day you will tell your story of overcoming and it will become someone else's survival guide. 
And, and, oh, like that. and she just simply wrote, you are my person. And I, I almost got butterflies. It was such a strange feeling because I realized I know that feeling all too well. I, um, after having the stroke and becoming disabled, I obsessed over Johnny Erickson Tata, who some of you may know who she is. And if you're over 35, you totally know she is. Johnny Erickson Tata is an incredible woman who was in a diving accident at age 17 and became quadriplegic and has an incredible ministry to the disabled. And I read everything she's written. I've seen everything she's done. I've totally obsessed over Johnny for years and years. And I met Johnny in an elevator in 2012, four years after my stroke. And we became dear friends and she started to mentor me. It's totally nuts. And if you'll put that picture back on the screen, that is Johnny Tata at my baby shower because I went on to have another baby after my stroke. And there's a room of 90 women in a big circle and they're about to pray for me when I'm super pregnant, I don't know if you can see, because I'm so slim and trim when I'm pregnant in that dress, but I got a big old baby bomb sticking out there. Look at the, yeah. And I, and she um, wheels herself into the middle of the circle and she sings a cappella, 10,000 Reasons. Y'all know that song, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at this room of a hundred women and they like spontaneously chime in and everybody sings a cappella the song. And I'm like, is this real? Like, is this a dream? Like she was my person and she's singing at my baby shower and I just can't even believe this is happening. And um, a few years after I had baby John, and Johnny and I have stayed dear, dear friends. And even moving to Atlanta um, has not really changed our friendships, precious. Um, there's a little girl that now comes to our camp named Josie. And she is funky and precocious and totally reminds me of Johnny in all the best ways. And her mom sent me that picture um, with the caption that said, I walked by Josie's bedroom tonight. And she was saying in her sweet, little, funky, whispered voice, I can get in bed if Catherine can. I can do it if Miss Catherine can. And chanting to herself, I can do it if Miss Catherine can. Because she wanted to stand up out of her wheelchair and get in bed. Because she's non-mobile. And um, Catherine, her mother, her mother's name is Catherine, said, do you understand that now you are her person? You get to show her how to do this life. And women of the Grove, of course, that is what we get to do for each other. The same Jesus that's in us, we get to pass on and share and showcase a thriving, flourishing life with him. Not like a, here's how you cope in your hard story tomorrow. But I am doing this well to God's glory. Come with me. You are part of the great cloud of witnesses. 
You know, on the final night of that precious camp, we have what's called a Luke 14 banquet. I am closing now, don't worry. The Luke 14 banquet. And Caroline, woohoo, you do this incredible calligraphy and showcase um, this dinner, this fine dinner for all the campers and volunteers to come in. And based on that parable, everybody's welcome at this table and you can sit with us. And it's glorious. And um, at this incredible banquet, we anoint each other with oil. Not that we're trying to fix anything, change anything, heal anything, but just simply saying, I am with you and I'm not going anywhere. I'm here and I care about you. And getting to show Jesus Christ to them, it's powerful. Ultimately, what we are saying is 2 Corinthians 4. You know, I love 2 Corinthians 4. But this time we're saying 16 through 18. We're saying, therefore, we will not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day after day. For our light and momentary trials are achieving for us the glory that cannot be revealed. Therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen, unseen, that is eternal. And you know what's so beautiful about that? Sorry, oh, gross. What is so beautiful about declaring what is unseen, that is eternal, is what we are saying is, there is more. There is more. There is more to this story, I want to read to you a little part. Do I have time? Probably not, but I just got to read you this line at least. I um, Our story's been hard and painful and blah, 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 but God showed up. But our story has looked like releasing our hold on what we thought we were entitled to and then receiving more than we deserve. It just looked like not waiting to live into all the good and all the hard realities of this life, but leaning into them with wonder and without fear. And it has sounded like God saying, as he says to every one of us, there is more. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know your story. I know some of you, but a lot of you, I may never know the side of heaven. And yet I so want you to have the hope and comfort of a savior who can get you through the hard times, who can make it okay to go through nearly the unbearable. This, um, this stroke and disability and all that's followed and 10,000 other things in my life have not been okay, for sure. In the world's eyes, for sure. This is the worst. And instead, all the suffering, all the pain, all the problems, I know with confidence are not the end of my story.
And that's what we get to believe and champion. And not just like high in the sky, like, oh, I'm going to believe in this crazy esoteric thing where Jesus shows up. But like, undeniably, it's crazy what's happened here. God is in my midst and at work. And Jesus has taken my hand and walked me through awful stuff. And we all have the opportunity to tap into that. It's available to all. All the most broken and messed up and unreachable among us. God comes in and says, I want you. I want to walk with you through life. That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. That God wants you and will walk with you and will carry you through every part of the journey and the story he's written for you. We know you'll want to hear more from Catherine and Jay, so be sure to order their latest book, Suffer Strong, and check out HopeHeals.com for more resources from them. You can also go back to season one of this podcast for some other incredible episodes with Catherine. Please be sure to share this episode with the people in your life who could use some hope and stay tuned with us on Instagram at PCC underscore The Grove for all that's happening around here. And we'll catch you next time on The Grove Podcast.